We're in our Christmas at LifePoint series, and uh, this week we're saying, all I want for Christmas is peace. Would you do me a favor? Just look at your neighbor and say, man, I could really use some peace this Christmas. Come on, look at him, tell him, tell him real quick. That's good. Now look at your second choice neighbor and say, you look like you need some peace. I don't know what's going on in your life. <clears throat> I've not always been a look at your neighbor kind of preacher, but I think I'm going to try to bring that back to life point here. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor. My message today was also inspired by our Fresh Faces Sunday that we had a couple weeks ago. Last week, I told you uh, all I went for Christmas to be ready. I just started writing notes for that while I was listening to our team preach two weeks ago. And then the next page was writing notes for this message on the peace of God when Pastor Christian was talking about the theme of peace. He read from the first appearance of the word peace in your Bible. It's Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. Don't turn there, but let me just show it to you. The prophet Isaiah is talking about Messiah, talking about the coming of the Christ. This is a prophetic writing and uh, it has inspired a lot of great music over the years. Handel's Messiah, one of the biggest pieces of that whole oratorio was based out of this text, Isaiah 9, 6, for to us, a child is born, a son is given. And then notice the promise, it's referring to the Christ, the government shall be upon his shoulders. Now what that means is not, you know, DC is gonna look to Jesus or the government of some nation because how many of you know nations rise and fall and there's no nation that lasts forever? But the, what he means is the, the rule and authority of the world is on his shoulders. How many of you know God is bigger than every government in our world, right, everybody? The government will be on his shoulders. And look what it says about him. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. How many of you know it's great to have a good counselor? It's great to have a great counseling session with King Jesus, everybody, right? If you want to have the best counselor ever, and his rates are really out of this world, uh, go see Jesus. He is mighty God. He's bigger and stronger and badder and greater than your greatest pain points. I'm telling you, he is a mighty God. The everlasting Father, this, this everlasting nature of Jesus is paternal. It's, it's, it's uh, fond of you and it's everlasting. It never quenches. God never has a bad day with you. He never looks at you without fondness. He's always for you. You're the apple of his eye and that's everlasting. These are things you can believe about Jesus and he is the Prince of Peace. It's part of the name of who Jesus is. He's a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, everlasting Father and he's the Prince of Peace. And then look at this verse seven. Of the increase or the growth of his reign and rule and governance and of the increase of his peace, there will be no end. There's not a part of the peace of God that ceases. It's not like he's got a, a, a vial of peace that fills up. It says his peace will increase. His governance and reign will increase. And of that increase, there's never an end to it. So here's a question I wanna challenge us with. If the governing and the leading and the reign of God is increasing evermore and the peace that comes from knowing Jesus is increasing evermore, why do we sometimes struggle with peace? Because if we belong to Jesus, he's our mighty God, our wonderful counselor, our everlasting father, he's our prince of peace, and that peace should be expanding. The longer we know Christ, the more peace we should have with Christ. So all I want for Christmas is that kind of peace. Can I hear an amen from somebody? How many of you want that kind of unending peace from God? How many of you got some situations in your life where you're like, you know what, man, I could use some more of that. Peace from the world looks like the end of chaos or the 401k looks a certain way or the economy works, but peace from God 
and the reign of God is ever increasing. It's always good, it's wonderful, it's mighty, it's everlasting. Man, that's the kind of peace that I want for us today. And I'm just convinced that it comes with knowing and walking with and devoting our lives to Jesus Christ. So I wanna ask you, are you, is your life oriented around the things of God? Is your life oriented around Jesus? Last Sunday, I said in the message, all I want for Christmas is to be ready. I said, the first thing is you surrender your life to Jesus. And then I said, the second thing is you orient your life around Jesus. And I think in the church world, we've stopped at the surrender to Christ part and we haven't done enough pushing people towards orienting around him. But part of having a life of peace with God is orienting your life around God. And that's what I wanna challenge us to do in this series, that we may have unending peace in our lives as we orient our lives around him. Listen, you don't earn his peace, you walk in his peace. You don't earn this from him, you just receive it from him. And now, how many of you know, like, like when you see something peaceful, you just start going towards that. And I'm telling you to know Jesus is to know the peace of God everlasting and at, let, it, let it increase evermore in your life. So then Christian, this is where I'm sitting like, just writing notes out while Christian's preaching the other day. And then he reads from Luke chapter two, where you are in your Bible today. And we have God's, Jesus's father, stepfather, I guess, and mother, Mary, come to the temple for a purification ritual. This would be her purification ritual after giving birth to a son. And she, they have come into the temple and, and we have the setting where this old man named Simeon is there waiting in the tent. He's a devout worshiper of God. He is, Luke records that he was a righteous man. In other words, he had right standing with God. He desired to serve God. He, he had a heart oriented towards God. And he's an old man. He's in, the, he's in the last stages of his life. He's in the temple when Jesus and his parents come in for the ceremonial ritual. And Simeon, led by the Holy Spirit, comes to Joseph and Mary and grabs Jesus out of their arms. This is the first kid point check-in. It's Jesus going to the temple and Simeon is the kid point worker, right? Grabs Jesus out of his arms. Some of y'all would say, that's creepy, old man, get off my kid. And it says in verse 28, this is, this is profound, watch this. It was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, verse 26, that he wouldn't see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he had come in the spirit, by the Holy Spirit, into the temple, Simeon's there. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for them him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took Jesus up into his arms and he blessed God. How many of you know when you meet Jesus, you need to thank God for it? When you, when you have an encounter with the Lord, you need to bless God for that encounter. And he took Jesus in his arms. First time he's ever seen him, first time he's ever touched him, first time he's ever around the living Christ Jesus, this child, which he knew the text from Isaiah, unto us is born a son, a savior who will be Christ the Lord, right? He knew this stuff about Jesus and now he sees him and he grabs him and his first thing is to worship and bless the Lord. And Simeon says this, this is profound. He said, Lord, now, can you just imagine this old man just holding this little baby? Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. In other words, he's saying, now I can die with peace. According to your word, look at this, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Last week I asked you, what if God could ask for one gift from you that you'd be ready to meet him? Well, now what if we can ask God? Lord, can I have this kind of peace? 
I want the kind of peace that I feel like as I'm embracing a relationship with Jesus, that I can look to the Lord and say, God, I can survive this day with peace. Lord, I can end this day with peace. How many of you are ready to die and to live with that kind of peace? What's really interesting, this old man, Simeon, he realized this, why? Because the Holy Spirit did a work in him to show him who Jesus was and to give him that deep sense that, of peace that comes from God. Listen to me, this kind of peace only comes from knowing and seeing and holding and being in relationship with Jesus. The only way to have the kind of peace where you can end this life at any moment is because you have a profound encounter with Jesus. And what's interesting is Simeon had to wait his whole life for this. But you and I don't have to wait at all. It's available at all times. It's available now. We're gonna have a moment together in a few minutes where we're gonna submit to this Jesus and we're gonna wrap our arms around him and give our lives to him and we're gonna bless the Lord and say, I can now live or leave this life with God's peace. Here's what I want us to talk about for the rest of our time together. What if we started living in real peace that Jesus affords for us? See, I believe knowing Christ changes your life. I believe knowing Jesus doesn't just guarantee you heaven, it guarantees you a godly life now. I think it's more than just the afterlife, it's this life that we can walk in peace and joy and fulfillment and hope and, and, and love with other people because we know Jesus. Knowing Jesus changes everything. So why does the Christian struggle with a lack of peace? So I wanna challenge us today in three areas. I'm gonna give them to you now, so those of you that are taking notes, just leave some space, I'm gonna give you a lot of scripture today. And, and actually, I'm gonna slow walk through scriptures, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it in a way that the, the scripture will just speak for itself, okay? A lot of times I read a verse and then teach on it, read a verse and teach on it. Some of this, I'm just gonna read it slow, and you're gonna sense the Holy Spirit teaching you just because the words on the page are pretty profound and self-explanatory. But I'm gonna give you a lot of text, but, but what if we can have peace specifically in three areas? That we can have, because of Jesus, we can have peace with God. Some of us really don't clearly believe that God is on good terms with us. We hope that we're on good terms with him, but we have this view of God that he's just holding back lightning bolts and he's just ready to judge you or he's putting shame on your life. I've literally had Christians say, well, you know, this is just the consequence of my actions. I'm just living under the judgment of God. You have a wrong view of God. Because of Jesus, you can have peace with God. First and foremost. Second, because of Jesus, you can have peace with other people. How many of you know people are our biggest problem very often? Oh, Lord, we're going to talk about that today. And because of Jesus, hey, you can have peace within your own self. And you know counseling centers and, and anxiety medication is on the rise higher than ever. And there's a great need for people to have emotional and mental health. One of the greatest realities of that is that we don't have peace within. And I wanna show you why, why knowing Jesus can provide that for you as well. Y'all good for this message today? We're gonna have peace with God. Let's talk about that first. Because of Jesus, unto us is born a son, a child. He's given the Prince of Peace. Because of Jesus, we can have peace with God. I want you to see this text first. And, and I want it to read it, it, itself, and then we're gonna explain it. Psalm 29, 11 says, the Lord blesses, that is this, this, this gift that's given with no, no strings attached, 
the Lord blesses his people with peace. The Lord blesses his people with peace. I just want you to understand, the peace that God has is the peace that you can have. You know, God's not gonna give you something that's not from him or outside of, or, or that doesn't emanate from him. We see in the scripture the peace of God. The same peace that God has is the peace that God gives. When have you ever seen God nervous or anxious about anything? Never, right? It's not in the scripture one time where God's just in heaven going, I just don't know how. I just don't know how we're gonna pull this off. Never is he upset or anxious about anything. And the Lord blesses his people with his peace. Now notice who he gives it to, his people. So one of the questions you have to ask when you're not at peace, am I close to the Lord? Am I really his? Because it is a blessing from God if you belong to him that his peace belongs to you. So one of the first things, like before you ever have reconciled relationships with others and get reconciliation inside yourself, I want you to know that you belong to God. And if you belong to him, you have the blessing of his peace. In the Hebrew language, the word peace is the word shalom. We have a team member on our staff who, whenever you say hello, her name's Elizabeth. Hey, Elizabeth, she goes, shalom. One time I asked her, I was like, why do you always say shalom? She goes, well, why not? It's a great word. It's the peace of God. Why wouldn't? I'm like, yeah, you're right, okay. The idea of shalom in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew language, it's this idea of an all-encompassing, listen, wholeness because of God. It's a lack of anxiety. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a state of being settled with God and with others. How many of you want that in your life? You just want the shalom that comes from knowing God. Listen, peace from God is the peace that emanates of God. The peace we have because we belong to Jesus, isn't like the peace from this world. It's not a ceasing of chaos or an end of conflict. Peace that God gives is a deep sense of wholeness and connectedness with God, being settled with him and him being settled with us. Because of Jesus, you can have peace with God. It's knowing that we're his and it's knowing that he's ours. And nothing this world has to offer can threaten or destroy that. The old man in the temple, Simeon, he realized this. Because of the Holy Spirit, he realized this, that when he met Jesus, this deep peace from God that comes from knowing God, that comes from presence with God, he knew it finally when he met Jesus. That's what Simeon waited his whole life to see. But you and I get to have it right now, every day. Listen, the peace that God has is the peace that you can have. And God wants to bless you with his peace. Sometimes, okay, I, you, you and I, we, we have to read the word of God and, and we have to read it appropriately and understand it. But when there are promises that are very clear in scripture, these are promises you need to claim and quote and pray back to God. Hey God, you said that I have your peace because I'm your son, because I'm your daughter. I remember as a young pastor, you know, 24 years old, my wife and I, lost everything in a fire. I've told that story with you before. And there was a moment where she, we're watching our, our apartment building burn to the ground, right? And, and she's up there talking with some ladies and, and, and I just had to get along with God. I was really nervous and anxious. We, we'd thrown away renter's insurance letters in the mail every month. We're like, we don't need this. Come on. <laughs> Nothing's gonna happen to me. I'm full, I'm bulletproof, right? Please get renter's insurance. Anyway, um, 
It's like $4 a month for, for anyway. So I'm standing, uh, I'm watching our place burn. And I just remember this moment. I went to a, a empty parking lot on the property, across, like probably 50 yards away from the building. And I just had to get alone with God. And I, you know, old Mike would have been stomping, kicking, cussing, shouting, screaming, going, how in the world could this happen to me? But I got in this moment with the Lord where I lifted my arms and I started worshiping God. And here's what I said to the Lord. I said, God, I'm your son. So that's your problem. And I pointed at that fire and I was like, that's your problem. What am I going to do? I'm standing here in shorts with an afro. I hadn't cut, cut my hair in like a year and a half. It was glorious. It was glorious. Don't get it twisted. That mug, whoo, boy. Some people ask, why do you keep your hair cut so short? Because it looks terrible when it's long. Terrible. Just goes straight out. Anyway, I say, God, I'm your son. That's your problem. And you know, within three months, we just saw the hand of the Lord. You know why? God blesses his people with peace. So if you're at a lack of peace right now, you got to first ask, am I close to the Lord? Am I in relationship with the Lord? Don't take it as a judgment thing. Take it as an invitation. The apostle Paul talks about this peace like this. This is why I know that for Christians, this is for you. In Romans chapter five, verse one, Paul says, since we've been justified by faith, your justification before God, which is God seeing you as your penalties paid, your sins are forgiven. The justification that God has is by faith. You didn't earn this. You didn't work your way to it. You simply received what God did. You didn't earn your salvation. God did it. But now you've received it by faith. Hello? Since you've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Not even just from God. We have peace with God. Have you ever had somebody mad at you and you wanted to just restore the relationship and repair it? Well, you and I were enemies with God because of sin, but because of our salvation, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know how much clearer I can make it. Look at me, everybody. If you doubt for a moment that God is for you and on your side and believes the best in you, stop doubting that and listen, God is for you, he loves you, you're the apple of his eye, he thinks great thoughts of you, he's never against you, he's always for you, he's got blessings for you, and you are not his enemy. You are at peace with God. Some of us have this idea that he saved me, now I just gotta work really hard to not make him mad. That is false gospel. That's not the Bible. You are gloriously saved because of what he did, not what you did, and you've received it by faith, and God now sees you not through the filter of your sin, your shame, your baggage, your background, he sees you through the filter of Jesus and the blood of Christ on that cross. And he looks at you and he says, my favored one, my favored daughter, my favored son. God's not mad at you. God is not mad at you. You have peace with God. So be at peace. Quit being afraid of God. Have a reverence for him, but don't you dare be afraid of him. Some of us, though, this is all we know. It's the baggage of our childhood. We were raised to fear adults and fear authority and fear our parents. Hey, parents, look at me. Please don't train your kids to be afraid of you because you'll train them also to be afraid of God. Teach your kids that you love them unconditionally. Teach boundaries, teach discipline, all of those, but never let them fear you in a negative way because that'll turn into fear of God. God looks at you and he goes, I don't know what you're scared of me for. I love you. I want to be in your life. Some of us have this view of God that he's just behind the bushes waiting. I wish you would. <laughs> Boy, you come at me. And I feel like God's just 
if he's in the bushes, he's going, can I come? You want can to, I, can I, you, me? You, you want me to come? Man, you have peace with God. So be at peace with God. Repent of your sin. Receive your salvation. And know that through Jesus, it's not something you did. It's something you received, done for you. You're at peace with God. He goes on to say it like this. I'm preaching off my notes, so I'm going to have to tighten this up to be done on time or else I'm in trouble. In verse 6 through 11, he says, while we were still weak, in other words, while we were in sin, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Some of us think, man, God won't do anything for me. I'm such a horrible person. Yeah, we were all horrible. We were all ungodly. If you think God only did for the godly, he did it for no one. Christ died for the ungodly. Do y'all see this in your Bible right here? Your screen Bible, because you didn't bring your Bible. (laughs) Kind of parenthetically, Paul says, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. He says, but God showed his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, for you, sinner, you've now been been called a saint. While we were sinners, he died for us. Since therefore, he says, since therefore, we have now been justified by his blood. People think, you know, talking about the blood in church, if you're new to Christianity, you're like, what's with all this blood talk? Sounds like a vampire cult. It's weird. Let me explain it to you. The old covenant requires a shedding of innocent blood, usually a lamb or a goat, never human sacrifice, but the shedding of blood to pay for sin. And God says, this will never pay for all the sins of the world. So God said, I'm gonna send myself in the form of a baby to become the final and only sacrifice for all sin for all time. So he shed his blood on the cross. That's why we sing songs like, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If you don't know the context, that sounds really creepy and gross. (laughs) But it's the blood of Jesus shed on the cross for you. And he says, since we've been justified by his blood shed on the cross, much more shall we be saved by him, what? From the wrath of God. If you've accepted Jesus, there's no wrath coming at you. I want you to hear it one more time. If you've accepted Jesus, there's no wrath coming from you, for you. Now listen, this is why we orient our lives towards Jesus. You can't just say, I believe that happened and live like hell. You can't do that. No, 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 no. I've received salvation. I've been justified. I've been changed. I've been transformed. I orient my life towards him. And because we've received his salvation, which includes our transformation, our redemption, he said, there's no wrath coming for you. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we rejoice in God that through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Listen to this. We were enemies of God because of sin, but that's now been repaired. We've not only been forgiven, but it goes a step further, we've been reconciled. Notice in that text, three times we have this word reconciled. Reconciled, reconciled, reconciliation. Reconciliation is not the same as forgiveness, it's the next step. It's one thing to say, I forgive you, but I don't wanna do life with you, right? That's how most people know forgiveness. I'll forgive you, but I don't ever have to talk to you again. The gospel shows forgiveness and restored amicability, reconciled relationship. So when someone wounds you, when someone offends you, you can say, well, hey, I'll forgive you. And then reconciliation says, I can actually do life with you again. This is one of the things that a lot of married couples fail to learn to do, which is why so many people struggle in their relationship. 
Hey, I can forgive you, but I'll never trust you again. You're sleeping on the couch for the next three weeks. No, 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 no. We have the ministry of reconciliation as part of the body of Christ. And if I can't reconcile in my own house, how am I gonna lead anybody else to reconciliation too? No, 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 we gotta learn the step beyond forgiveness and into reconciliation. That's what God did for you. See, if all you think is God forgave you for your sins, then all you do is keep coming back to him going, forgive me again, forgive me again, forgive me again. And you don't ever feel worthy to be reconciled to relationship with him. But you've not only been forgiven because of Jesus, you've been reconciled, no longer an enemy. You are now a son and a daughter and you are in friendship and relationship and his peace is for you and you have peace with him. Can I hear an amen, everybody? So don't walk in shame, walk in peace. Don't ever live in fear of God, but walk in reverence for God and with peace with God. Don't ever worry that he hates you or he's mad at you. He knows you, he loves you, he's for you. You can have peace with God because of Jesus. There's nothing you can do to turn God's heart against you. You can apostate and leave him, but he will never leave his affection for you. He saved you, you're forgiven, you're fully restored, so be at peace. Have you ever apologized to someone multiple times for something and you go, man, I just gotta say it again. I'm really sorry for what I said, I'm really sorry for what I, and they go, hey, for real, man, it's fine, let it go. I feel like all of you need to hear this prophetically from God. It's fine, let it go. Some of you are like replaying stuff in your mind that God's forgiven and forgotten about. You know, the Bible says, I'm off my notes here, I'm sorry. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our sins from us? And there's this idea that when God forgives you, he forgets what he forgave you for because he put it on Jesus on the cross. It was paid for by him. And so we come back to God, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I feel so terrible. I still just feel so guilty. And God's like, what are you talking about? We're good, man, I told you that, ma'am. Sorry. So, hey, I want you to start this in prayer. Repent of your sin. Accept the gift of God in Jesus that he paid for your sins. I mean, this coming of Christ is the, it's the, most, it's the most amazing announcement to ever hit the human experience, that God came for the purpose of repairing our relationship with God so that we can have peace with God. And he blesses his people with that kind of peace. So I want you to repent of sin and walk away from that. Accept and believe in Jesus that he died for you and rose from the dead for you. Receive his forgiveness and salvation. And now listen, orient your life as a saint. Man, I'm forgiven. I'm chosen by Jesus. You might have religious people tell you how awful you are, and I'm sorry for that, but you have peace with God. Sometimes you need to look self-righteous, judgmental Christians in the face and go, hey, I don't listen to you. I listen to God, and I'm forgiven, and I need, to, I need you to shut your mouth because I'm a saint and I've got peace with God. You may not have peace with God's people. We're gonna get to that in a second, but I have peace with God. Are y'all getting encouraged so far? I feel like I'm preaching my guts out up here. That's encouraging. That's a word for somebody. So you can have peace with God because of Jesus and you can have peace with people. I don't know if you know this or not, but Christmas dinner's coming. We just did it for Thanksgiving and some of y'all getting worked up again. Many of us struggle with this. Like we... We might be good with God, but oh man, people just drive us crazy, right? And sometimes it's God's people that drive us crazy. Sometimes it's family. We've taught our kids, you can pick your nose, you can pick your friends, but you're stuck with family. <laughs> How do we do peace with people? And I believe for the Christian, listen, there's no person that Jesus didn't love enough to die for. So there's no person that we can't find a level of peace and love and harmony with. Now, that peace may come with boundaries. 
That peace may come with, you know, borders and, and, and clearly defined, you know, personal sentiment of, of how far you're going to get close, you know, whatever, and forgiveness. But if there's no one on earth that Jesus doesn't love with an undying affection, there's no one in your world that you can't live at peace with because the spirit of God lives on the inside of you. But that's great preaching. It's hard living. I don't know why my wife's over here amen and so hard. That's right. This is one of the hardest parts of life. It's just getting along with people. Ephesians, I mean, Paul writes this whole statement to the church in Ephesus, and one of the things he says, he says, put up with each other. Some of us have this false idea. I'm going to go to church, and it's unicorns and rainbows floating all over the place and just joy and peace everywhere. Paul wrote to the churches all the time, y'all need to get along better. Why can't Christians just get along? (laughs) But hear me, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You can live at peace, so I want to teach you how. Before we get there, let me just ask you, can everyone just close your eyes and think of the one person that you struggle with to get along with? That one person, don't call them out, don't point at them, don't say their name. Lord God, help my friend right here in the front. (laughs) He's sitting right here beside me, Jesus. Help me, Lord. She did not say that, I'm just kidding. I want you to think of who's offended you. Who is it that you can't stand to be around? Hey, let me just go beyond a person you know. Who's the politician or who's on the side of the political aisle or who's on Fox News or CNN or who's that public figure that you just see and it just grates on your nerves? I'm always amazed every election cycle when Christians lose their entire soul (laughs) over a candidate they've never met. Like Joe Biden or Donald Trump are thinking about you right now. I swear if I saw him right now, what? What would you do? They would tase your butt in the face so hard you wouldn't even have a chance. What are you gonna do? We just lose our ever-loving mind over people we don't even know. I've watched Christians fight each other over politics and one time it was uh, some, some pastor friends of mine, they were fighting and I had to hold a meeting of reconciliation and go, do you know that candidate? No. Do you know that your candidate? No. Why are y'all fighting each, your brothers? They worked on the same church team. I go, you guys are brothers in Christ and you're letting strangers who don't even care about you. We live in this state and this is the color of our state, red or blue, like this is the way we go. Why are y'all fighting over strangers and disrupting the peace of God between you? All right, so there, I left your husband and wife and kids and we're talking about something generic here, okay. But in Jesus, we can have peace with others. Part of That is because living for Christ allows his spirit on the inside of us. And you gotta remember, there's no one that his spirit doesn't love. There's no one his spirit would not forgive. There's no one his spirit would not save through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. So we're not exempt because the spirit lives in us. Remember Galatians 5, I'll I'll quote it later. The fruit of the spirit is... That is the evidence of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Boy, those are words towards people, ain't it, everybody? Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Some people say, well, I just can't control what I say when I'm around that person. Well, then you don't really trust God. I can't control what comes out of my mouth when he's around. That's a prayer problem. That's not a him problem. Because the fruit of the spirit includes self-control. Get your life right. Get your life under control by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are y'all hearing me today? Am I preaching good up here? Y'all hear? Look at your neighbor and say, he preaching now. He must be mad at somebody. I want to read something to you. I'm going to let it read itself. 
Romans 12, I'm gonna start in verse nine, I'm gonna read this on my, in the Bible, but then I'm gonna put it on the TV for all y'all to be like, mm, mm, mm. It's like left hook, right hook, y'all. Y'all ready? God's word will just kind of hit you in the face today. We're just gonna let it speak. Romans 12, nine says, let love be genuine. Oh, I love you in the Lord. <laughs> that ain't genuine. <laughs> Bless his heart. That ain't genuine. That's not, that's Southern for you're an idiot. You know what I'm saying? Hey, for all you West Coast immigrants that have come over to this side of the good part of the country, listen, let me tell you what this means. Bless his heart is Southern code for he's a moron. All right, there's a lot of little Southern colloquialisms we'll teach you. Just come on. I love him in the Lord. It's code for I can't stand him and I hope he goes to heaven today. Right, okay. <laughs> Paul said, <laughs> y'all heard? Yeah, that's right. Romans 12, verse nine. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Notice he doesn't say hate who is evil, but hate what is evil. We hate sin. Hold fast to what's good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Now, I got brothers. We might not get along for a day or two, but I will still back them to the end of the world defending my brother because they family. My brothers, man, we would fight each other, but then don't get us fighting together against you. You know what I'm saying? Brotherly affection is we may rub, but we gonna do life together. We're still together. I remember one time my brothers, I got, I was in first grade. We were getting on the bus, single mom, you know, three of us getting on the bus and this kid popped me in the nose in the bus line. I probably talked about his mama or something stupid. I don't know. I love your mama jokes. I just, I just love them, always have. And now I say them so randomly. People say, what time is it? Your mom would know. I don't know. You know, like, I'll just throw it out stupid. It's like, <laughs> my girls have this question. They'll say, hey, dad, where is such and such? I go, at your mom's house. I just think it's like a benign your mom joke. It's not even offensive. They go, what'd you say? Your mom's house? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, my brother, I probably said something stupid like that in first grade. And I got popped in the nose by this kid and my nose is bleeding everywhere. And I'm a hypochondriac, so I think I'm dying, right? Immediately. <laughs> And I'm walking back for real blood both sides of the nose. And I'm like, oh God, I'm not dying. And I'm walking back to an empty apartment because my mom's at work, you know, and I turn around and I look and both of my brothers are killing this kid. I mean, just like, that's what you get, sucker. You know, <laughs> brotherly affection, everybody. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Love one, that is not a good example of brotherly affection. <laughs> Stay in the text, I got five minutes. Outdo one another. He says, outdo one another in showing honor. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. This is Christian behavior. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Hello. Some of our prayer lives is just gossiping with Christians, but some of us need to just pray, talk to God more than people. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. Watch this where it picks up. In verse nine, uh, uh, 11, bless those who persecute you. Oh, we don't like that. We like to persecute those who persecute us. Bless and don't curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. We like to pick on those who are struggling and in pain. Well, it serves you right. No, 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 I'm so sorry you're going through. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be arrogant, but associate with the lowly. I tell my daughters when I drop them off at school very often, we pray and I say, hey, make sure today look for somebody that nobody's talking to. Go, go put your arm around them. Connect with that kid in the lunchroom that nobody likes and go sit with that person. I'll tell my kids this a lot. Why? Because the Bible says, associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. That's the world we live in, isn't it? If you post something, I'm gonna get you back. If you say something, I'm gonna say it stronger. Give thought to what's honorable in the sight of all. If possible, 
as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Why? Because you have Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And there's no one that you hate that God, does, that God hates. And if he lives on the inside of you, he's gonna help you live at peace with other people. Now that peace may have boundaries. That peace may be, hey, I can't, you know, I'm gonna be amicable. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you water if you're thirsty, right? He says, never avenge yourselves. Leave the avenging to the wrath of God. We love vengeance. We write movies about it. We have a whole series called The Avengers. Could you imagine the biblical movie series, The Non-Avengers? We're gonna let God do this. I got all these muscles and can fly for nothing. Shoot me all you want. I'll do nothing. I'll let God take care of you. Shazam! You know, DC, I know it's a different. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says God. Hey, look at me. Trust that God would rather save them than send them to hell. And that would be the vengeance of God on Jesus. Man, just trust the Lord's justice. You don't have to do it. To the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. By doing so, you'll heap burning coals on their head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's only because God lives in you that you can live this way. Because of Jesus, we can live at peace with other people. Now, it might take every bit of the Holy Ghost just stirring you at all times to have that kind of peace. You ever seen a duck floating on a pond, just gliding along? but under the water, its feet are going crazy, miles an hour, just trying to swim. Peace on top, turmoil underneath. That's prayer in the spirit. That's I've been in meetings before, I've been around people where I'm just praying in the Holy Spirit the whole time. Just... One of our staff, Shelby, she's like, I just affirm people with my faith. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. That's me, I'm just praying in tongues. You know, I'm just praying. Because the Holy Spirit's in you, you can live at peace with other people. Sometimes it means hold your mouth. Sometimes it means forgive quickly. Sometimes it means choosing to be unoffended. In fact, I wanna encourage you, build your prayer life for those that have hurt you. Choose to be unoffendable. Pursue healthy life-giving relationships. Many of us struggle with lack of peace in relationships because we keep hanging around scrubs. I mean, can I just say it? TLC said it best, I don't want no scrub. That's a throwback for some of y'all. I've, I've been kind of stuck in the 90s here lately. I'm not singing that song. I don't sing about the men in my life, you know what I'm saying? I don't want no scrub, but man, some of us, we just need a small group of people. We need a, a, a dream team that we're gonna get in and do life with. And some of us need to pick new friend groups to help us with peace. Paul ends his letter to the Corinthians, the second letter. He says, finally, brothers, rejoice Aim for restoration, that's our target. I'm gonna aim for restoration and I'm gonna try, you may not try it back, that's on you, but I'm gonna aim for that. I'm gonna comfort others, I'm gonna be agreeable. Just agree with people. Okay, I see your point, no no problem. Live in peace and look at this, and here's the promise, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Because of Jesus, I can have peace with others. And finally, because of Jesus, I can have peace within. And this is where many of us struggle. We struggle with shame and anxiety, guilt, depression. I believe in counseling. I believe in having a counselor. I believe in counseling because Jesus is the mighty counselor, a wonderful counselor. And God will gift you wonderful counsel even through his church, through a pastor, through a small group leader, or through a certified psychiatrist or psychologist. But I I want you to pursue spirit-filled Christian counseling to deal with some of this stuff on your life. 
but ultimately it needs to point you back to knowing Jesus and having the peace of God that's beyond understanding. I want you to all understand something when I say this. None of you is perfect and God's okay with that. Let me, let, me, let me clarify what I mean by that. God knows your issues. He knows you're not perfect. The only one that was ever perfect is Jesus. So God's not surprised that you have baggage and mistakes. And what he wants to do is forgive all of that, redeem all of that, and use you in spite of that. So I just want you to hear this. If God can forgive you of anything, you can forgive yourself too. Because you know Jesus. Paul says in the letter to the Colossians, he says, have the mind in you that's also in Christ. If God's forgiven you, forgive you. If you've made some terrible decisions, you've, you've lived with some bad choices, and you've sought the Lord's forgiveness, and you know he's forgiven you, forgive yourself. Because he sees you as a son or daughter, the apple of his eye. That's how you need to see yourself. I want to throw a bunch of scripture at you, and then I'm going to close. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. May the Lord be with you all. At all times, in every way. Galatians 5.22, I read it earlier, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are verses you need to memorize and quote in your prayer closet, especially if you're struggling with peace. Some of us have shame and guilt over things we've done or are still doing. You need to repent, seek the Lord's forgiveness, listen, receive his forgiveness, and then forgive yourself. We started a small group and want to start it again for women who have walked through the pain of abortion. And there are women that carry that grief their entire lives and men who carry it with them. But I'm telling you, God can forgive that and you can be forgiven and you can forgive yourself of that too. Sexual sin, financial sin, adultery, fornicate, whatever it is. Listen, whatever shame or grief you're carrying is not because Jesus keeps grinding it into you. That's a lie from hell. That's a deception of the devil. If God can forgive you of anything, you can be forgiven and you can forgive yourself. Philippians 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Does always still mean always? I looked it up in the Greek. It means always. It means all the time. And then Paul's saying it again because we're dense. He goes, again I say, rejoice. He says, let your reasonableness be known to everybody. Just be reasonable people. The Lord's at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, nothing at all. In everything with prayer, supplication, which is another form of prayer, and with thanksgiving. Some of us go, well, I'll thank God when he comes through. How about you thank God before he comes through? Because he did come through because his name is Jesus. And he's already come through, so be thankful. Remember Simeon? As soon as he grabbed him, he thanked God. Bless the Lord. I've seen the Lord's salvation. With prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, the same peace that God carries, which surpasses all understanding, it doesn't even make sense. How are you at peace? I don't know. How can you just sit there with perfect calm and peace in a storm like this? It's God's peace. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me either. It's beyond understanding. It'll guard your mind. It'll guard your heart. In Christ Jesus. You see that? So because of Jesus, you can have peace within. Isaiah 26, 3 says, God keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. I wanna challenge you, if you're struggling with peace within, it's probably because you're ruminating and focusing on you and not on him. Let your mind be saturated in thoughts about the Lord. Keep your mind on him because he trusts in the Lord. Trust in the Lord forever, he is an everlasting rock. Finally, Jesus said it best, peace I leave with you. Isn't that great, everybody? Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace 
I give to you. Not like the world gives. That's wrapped up in money and politics and, and health and looks and no shame. He said, let not your hearts be troubled nor be afraid. God, we want to receive desperately the peace that comes from knowing Christ. We want to receive the peace of God this Christmas that comes from knowing Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the Prince of Peace, the mighty God, the wonderful counselor, the everlasting Father. Today, Lord God, we receive your peace. We receive the peace that comes from knowing Jesus. Hey, everybody, do me a favor. Before you leave this room, pray with me. If you need God, if you need peace with God or with others or within at any level of any of all three or all three of those things, would you just raise your hand and let me know that's for you, you need that? Everybody pray this with me. God, I've heard the word. I've heard about Jesus, the Prince of Peace, my wonderful counselor. Say, I receive this gospel of Jesus Christ that he came, lived, died, and resurrected for my sin so that I may have peace with God, live at peace with others, and walk with peace within. I receive your salvation. I ask for your forgiveness. I commit myself to live for you for the rest of my life. Say it in Jesus' name. Say, God, I'm all in. I receive the peace with God with others and within in Jesus' name. Come on, to God be the glory. Let's worship God. Let's thank him. Let's thank him and bless him in Jesus' name. Amen.